0: Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Father, we just want to say thank you for a new day that wasn't promised to us. Thank you that we're able to experience your, your love and your grace and your compassion today. And Lord, our prayer is that somebody would get to see you in and through us today. Lord, as we come to your word, Uh, We just pray for understanding as we talk about this issue of suffering. And Lord, I pray that as we examine our own lives, that we would do those things that would bring glory to your name and not shame. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were with us last week, Pastor Gregory asked a very important and yet profound question. Where would we be? And the idea was, where would we be without the grace of God in our lives. And Pastor Gregory challenged us to look at and to think about where would we be, how radically different our lives would look if it weren't for the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And you know, God's grace is truly amazing because we've learned, talking about the exchange life, we've seen from Romans 5 uh, to where we are in, in, in chapter 8, That while we were still sinners, while we were still haters of God, while we were still self-centered, Jesus saved us. He died for us. And we've learned some amazing things about the exchange life. Paul has already told us that God has freed us from sin. He's told us that we we, we died, we we were buried, and we were raised together together with Jesus, and as a result of that, we have a new life, uh, a radically different life, a life that is alive and vibrant, which leads us into the fact that we are now responsive to God. When God speaks speaks to us through his word, we can respond to him. We can react to the word of God, and we're able to hear his voice through his word. Last week, Pastor Gregory pointed out that we no longer have an obligation to the flesh. And so when our flesh wants to rise up against us and cause us to sin, we have the ability within us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to say no to sin. We also learned last week that the Spirit confirms in our spirits that we are children of God, that God has adopted us into His family Now, not like the red-headed stepchild kind of adoption, but he has adopted us as a loving father into his family. And now we are sons and daughters of the creator of the universe. And as a result of that, we can come before the very presence of a holy God and cry out, Abba. Daddy, it's a term of endearment, it's a term of intimacy. We can call God Abba, and that reminds us, reminds us, excuse me, of that intimate relationship that we have with God the Father. And then Paul went on to say that we are fellow heirs of God, we're heirs of God, and we are fellow heirs with Christ Jesus, if indeed. We suffer with him. Wait, what? Yeah, I read that right. You heard that right. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 17, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Suffering is a necessary part. Of our salvation experience. Suffering is a necessary component of the exchanged life. Now I realize that talking about suffering is not popular in Christian circles today. You won't hear too many sermons on on how to, how to successfully suffer or seven steps to suffering. You won't hear that today. Nonetheless, Suffering is a necessary component of the exchanged life. And some of you may say, but right, wait a minute. When Jesus saved me, I thought that life was going to be easy. The road was going to be smooth and straight. And there wouldn't be any bumps in the road. Well, that's the world's version of Christianity. The world thinks that once you come to Jesus, everything is peaches and cream. When the reality is, when you come to Jesus, you will experience suffering. And suffering for Christ is just as normal as as reading the scripture. It's just as normal as when we take time to pray. Suffering is just as normal as when we give. And there is a mountain of biblical evidence, if you will, that demonstrates to us that suffering is a part Of the Christian life for example suffering should be seen as as a privilege in Acts chapter 5 verse 41 the disciples are preaching in the synagogues and they get arrested because they are preaching the name of Jesus and and Jews are turning to Christ and the religious leaders aren't too happy so they 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 bring them in and they arrest them and they flog the disciples did you hear that they flog them and in Acts chapter 5 verse 41 Uh, The text says, so they went on their way from the presence of the council, that's the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now that's kind of odd, but the disciples went away rejoicing after having been flogged, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus. We don't think about shame and, or suffering, rather, in the same way as something to, to rejoice over. But we should when we suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Luke chapter 6, verse 22 Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Jesus says, When you suffer, when the world comes against you for my name's sake that you're blessed and you know suffering is a part of it's part of the christian experience in 1st thessalonians chapter 3 verse 4 paul tells the church at thessalonica this he says for indeed when we were with you we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction and so it came to pass as you know See, Paul expected to be, he he expected suffering. He expected suffering in the coming. He told and he warned the church at at Thessalonica that we are going to suffer. And Paul says, and so it has come to pass. And suffering is a part of our experience. Suffering is even a part of God's will. You know, in Acts chapter 9, Paul is on the road to Damascus And he is going to Damascus to to round up Christians and to imprison them. And as you know, the account, he he sees this bright light. It's about noon. And there's this light that's bright, brighter and, and, and brighter than the sun even. And it blinds Paul. And it's the Lord Jesus. Well, later on in the text, God speaks to Ananias and says, I want you to go get Saul. And Ananias asks the question, are you sure? We're talking about Saul, the one who who has the authority to put your people in the prison. You want me to go get him? And God says, yes. Listen to what God says to Ananias concerning Saul in Acts chapter 9, verse 16. Uh, God says that in verse 15, uh, that he is a chosen instrument of mine. And then verse 16, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Sometimes suffering is a part of God's will for our lives. And Paul, uh, talking to the Philippian church in Philippians 1.29, says this to the church. And I know sometimes we think, yeah, right, but we're, we're talking about things that happened almost 2,000 years ago. That was then, and we're living in a different time. Really? Paul tells the church at Philippi, and by extension, the church today, in Philippians 1.29, he says, For to you, talking to the church, for to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Paul says that God has granted that we would believe in Jesus Christ. That's a sermon for another day. But God granted that we would believe But God also granted that we would suffer for his sake. This is a message to the church at Philippi, and it's a message to the church at Discovery Point Church, or Discovery Point, rather. God has granted that we would suffer for his name's sake. And I love Paul's attitude in Philippians 3, beginning in verse 8, where, where Paul says this, more than that, he says, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Paul says, all the earthly things that I have accumulated, they are considered rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. And in verse nine, he says, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Get this. Verse 10, that I may know him. That's our that's our mission statement to know know him and make him known. Right. To know to know Christ and to make him known. Paul says that I want to know him. And the power of his resurrection. I want to experience the the exchanged life. I want to know what this new life is going to taste like. And we get a little taste of that now. So Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Sufferings, plural, excuse me. Being conformed to his death. Paul says, I want to know Jesus. Jesus. Paul says, I want to experience the exchanged life. And I want, to, I want to experience the fellowship of his sufferings. Suffering is a part of our life as believers in Jesus Christ. And just, just to let you know, Paul suffered more than anybody in the scripture, so it seems. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul says this, talking about these super apostles who had come into the Corinthian church and it began, to, it began to influence them. Paul says this, Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane; I more so, in far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Verse 24, Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. Verse 26, I have been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers from the city in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. You get the picture here. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, Paul says, in hunger and thirst, often without food in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. You talk about suffering. Paul has suffered for the name of Jesus Christ. And dare I suspect his reward will be great and is great in heaven. And adding on top of what he's he has experienced externally, internally, He's worried about the churches. That's a lot on his plate. So why do we suffer? Well, we suffer because, well, the world hates us. Jesus, in John chapter 15, verse 18, as he's headed to the cross, tells his disciples this. He says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. We suffer because the world hates us. We suffer because... The enemy is in control of the world system. We suffer because Satan hated Jesus. And since he's no longer here, and since we as the church represent Jesus, we're the next best thing. And so he hates us. He hates what we stand for. He hates our morality. He hates the fact that we love God's word. He hates the fact that we depend on Jesus for everything. And so we, we suffer. But there's a flip side to the suffering. And I think we suffer because God is preparing us for something greater. We oftentimes suffer in this life because God is preparing us for something greater. You know, I think about Joseph in the Old Testament, in Genesis, who was sold into slavery by his brothers, then sold into slavery in Egypt, uh, was accused of, 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 of coming after Potiphar's wife, was placed in prison for years, but wound up being the second person in authority in Egypt. Joseph suffered, but God had a purpose in his suffering. And I think about men like David. David, who God had anointed by Samuel and told him, you're going to be king of Israel which really made Saul, who was the king at the time, really mad. And so Saul came after David in order to kill him. And Saul chased David into the wilderness and into Philistia and other areas that Israel couldn't go into. But he ran David out of town. But it was through David's running in the wilderness that others who were broken and and downtrodden, and without hope, flocked to him. And it was in the wilderness where David was suffering that God began to build David's cabinet, his his mighty men, those men that he could trust, so that when he became king, his court was already put together. But he had to suffer and run for his life beforehand. And then I think about Paul. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says he's got this thorn in the flesh that is causing him issues. And we don't know what this thorn in the flesh is. We assume it's a physical ailment. But Paul says that he prayed three times for God to take it away. And three times God said, no, that my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul says, in my weakness am I made strong. And God uses suffering to strengthen us, to cause us to depend on him, so that people will see Jesus in us even when we are suffering and downtrodden. Now I just want to let you know, if you are suffering today, if you find yourself in the midst of calamity, whether it's emotional or relational or financial, whatever it might be, and you find yourself struggling and suffering for the name of Jesus Christ, what can you do in the midst of your suffering to glorify Jesus so that people don't see woe is me, but they see Jesus personified and glorified in you? If you're suffering today, Ask yourself that question. How can Jesus get glory through my suffering? What can I say that will encourage someone and help them see Jesus in me? Because oftentimes, God has a plan for the suffering. Sometimes it's for you. Sometimes it's for others through you and through me. But Paul wants to put Suffering in perspective. And that brings us to our text, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. That was all introduction. R- Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Paul puts suffering in perspective when he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul says, I thought about this, I've thought about it deeply. I didn't come to this conclusion lightly, but he says, I reckon, I I, I consider that the sufferings that we are experiencing in this present time, and the Greek word here is not chronos, which is like chronological time, but it's the word for, for, for seasons or an appointed time, which tells us that sufferings won't endure always that there will come a time when our suffering will cease. And Paul says there's coming a time when the suffering that we experience now will will give way to unexplainable and inexplicable glory. That what we suffer now, these 10, 20, 30, 50, 70, 80, even 100 years, will pale in comparison. To the glory that will be revealed in us. That God is going to do such a marvelous work in you and in me that the sufferings will pale in comparison. That the suffering today is is worthy and it is worth the glory that is to come. This glory is going to outshine the hardships that we face. And Paul says, Hang in there, because you ain't seen nothing yet. But let me say this: The suffering that we're experiencing, it's real. Again, whether it's financial or, or relational or psychological or, or, or emotional, whatever it is or even medical, whatever it is, it's real. And I understand that there's pain, and it hurts. And sometimes we cry. Sometimes we cry out. Sometimes we just want to scream and give up. The agony is real. The emotion is real. The struggle and the suffering is real. But Paul says, what you're going through and what I'm going through today, will pale in comparison with what's to come. So don't give up. Ray Stetman comments on our suffering, and he says this. He says, we can endure the suffering and even triumph in it because we see the glory that is to follow. But look, not only do we suffer as believers, but even creation suffers. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 21 where Paul says for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That's a mouthful. But Paul points out that creation, all of creation, that it, it groans and it longs and it waits eagerly for the sons of God to be transformed, to be changed, to be glorified. Because when, they, when that happens, then creation will go back to its former glory. And creation today is much different than it was before the fall. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 29, listen to what Moses writes about God's creative act with creation. Genesis 1, 29, Moses records this. Then God said, talking to the man, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. Now think about this. Before the fall, there was a harmony among creation. Did you catch what, what God said to the man? That the plants will be food for you. That the plants will be food for all the, all the animals. Period. End of sentence. There was no bloodshed. You, you had the lion chewing cud just like the cow. You had the wolf eating hay just like the horse. And there was this harmony. And Genesis chapter 2 verse 8, God says this, The Lord God planted a garden towards the east in Eden, and there he, he placed the man whom he had formed out of the ground. The Lord caused to grow every tree that is, pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But God caused everything to grow that was pleasing. So creation was very, very different before the fall. And then in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent enters the garden, and then we get to the fall, and because... uh, uh, Eve was deceived and she ate of the fruit and then she gave to Adam and he ate and then immediately sin and death entered the world. And our first parents, they fell because they disobeyed God. And look at what God says in in, in Genesis chapter chapter 3. Turn there with me. Genesis chapter 3. God cursed the serpent in verse 14 for his part to play. God cursed the woman, or punished the woman rather, in verse 16, by multiplying her pain in childbearing. And in verse 17, God cursed the ground because of Adam. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Uh, then, Adam's, then, then to Adam he said, this is God talking to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. This is creation. The ground is now cursed. God says, in toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. So Adam is now going to have to to work in order to produce food. No longer will the trees just freely give up. their bounty. Verse 18, both thorns and thistles It shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Because of Adam's disobedience, creation was cursed. And now Adam has to sweat and work and labor to produce food. And because of this curse... We get thorns and thistles, i.e. we get weeds, crabgrass, and all this other stuff that we see here in our backyards. It just won't go away. That's another element of the curse. And I used to wonder why my lemon trees had thorns. Because of the curse. And yet Paul says back in Romans Uh, Chapter 8 That creation longs for the day when the sons of men will be revealed. He personifies creation as this anxiously waiting for that time, for that day when Jesus will return and glorify us because that lets creation know that it's going to be changed. And in Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 3, verses 1 through 4, we see that happen in Revelation 22. Listen at what John the Revelator says. He says, Then he showed me a river, of water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its streets. On, the other, on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Verse 3, There will no longer be any curse. Creation will be free and restored to be what it was supposed to be. And the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it and his bondservants will serve him. That's us. We will serve the Lord Jesus and they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads. We're going to belong to Jesus. We're going to see him face to face. And creation will once again be where it was supposed to be. Not corrupted, but incorruptible. But until then, and until that day, you and I need to suffer through life. But understand this. Our suffering is never, ever alone. Because Jesus is always with us to comfort us in and through our suffering. The Holy Spirit is with us to strengthen us through our suffering. And guys, look, the church, the church is here to walk with us through our suffering, to help bear the burden of our suffering, to encourage us and pray for us while we suffer. That's why Jesus brought us together as the church, to support one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to walk with one another, even while we suffer. And if you are suffering, whatever that might look like in your context, if you're suffering, know that we're here for you, that the Discovery Point Church family is here to walk with you, to pray for you, and to share your burden. And know that you don't have to share your sufferings alone. If you're suffering, take courage, because God has a plan in the suffering to bring glory to Himself and to take you to greater heights. Let's pray, Lord. We want to say thank you for, uh, for Your Word and Lord. Sometimes we don't see suffering as something to rejoice in, but Father, give us a different perspective today. Give us a biblical view of what suffering is, so that we in our suffering can bring you honor and glory. We love you, Jesus. Help us, we pray. Comfort us where we need it. Build us up where we've fallen down. We ask these things, Lord Jesus, in your name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.